And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a frightening half hour on the Hall of Fantasy from 1952. Then Jack Benny and all his gang welcome guest Peter Laurie to the Jack Benny program from 1946. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. You like all these scary, funny... I do. I'm really I mean, enjoying it's scary our, our and theme. funny and Peter Laurie and oh, Bella sure. Lugosi. We have a Boris Karloff show coming up soon. I'll tell you what, it's great. We brought out all of the stars that were in the monster movies back in the 1940s and 50s. Peter Laurie, Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff. I think the only person we're missing might be Vincent Price and uh, maybe Lon Chaney. So we have to do that a little later in the month, right, Mike? Yes. Do that. All right, but right now, it's time for the Hall of Fantasy. This was a very interesting series created by Richard Thorne back in 1946. It was mystery and horror stories that were written by Robert Olson. It was directed by Thorne, and the stories involved struggles against the supernatural where man was usually the loser. Usually a shock ending on these two, and the stars of the series were Carl Grayson, Jim Amici, who was Don Amici's brother, Harry Elders, and Richard Thorne himself. It uh, moved to Mutual Radio in 1952, and there are not a lot of episodes in existence of the Hall of Fantasy, but we have a good one for you now. From September 19, 1952, this is called The Steps That Follow Me. Richard Thorne stars. Here's part one of the Hall of Fantasy. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Steps That Follow Me. The Death That Walks? Well, how did he come to get that name? Because people around here have seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. And they've seen him walking. Oh, this must be their imagination. Ain't their imaginations, I know. I've seen him myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you, none. <laughs> I don't have to. He'll frighten you. Old Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. Because he'll come for you. <laughs> he'll come for you. 
I have before me the diary of a dead man. He and his wife were my best friends. The words he has written down tell a tale so fantastic it's almost impossible to believe. Yet I know that Bill and Helen Mason lived the last few months of their lives in dread fear of the slow steps that followed them. It is late evening as I read his words. I have come to their house now so empty and sit in the large overstuffed leather chair in the library. Outside, rain pummels against the side of the house. The wind blows the fall leaves from the trees and the sound of thunder gives vent to the anger of the storm. There's something in the house. A tension. A fear, perhaps. I feel almost as if unseen eyes were watching me. As if someone is here with me. Here in this room. And so I start to read his diary. Living words from the pen of a man who sleeps forever. March 3rd. Today, Helen and I came across one of those delightful old southern mansions. We decided to stop and make a study of the place. And Helen was especially interested in taking some color pictures to illustrate our lecture series in the fall. Well, I guess no one will mind if we take a look around the place. No, I'm sure they wouldn't. Oh, it's a shame that whoever owns the house and grounds let the place run down this way. It must have been beautiful in its day. Yeah, I imagine it was, Helen. Well, the house could still be saved, renovated. Beautiful place. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I- I'd like to get a shot from here. Hmm. If that turns out, it'll make a nice picture. Helen? Mm-hmm? I wonder what that building is over there. Where? Right over there, just in back of the house. Oh, well, no one's to stop us. Why don't we take a look? All right, let's do. can't understand why anyone would let the grounds and house deteriorate so... Well, it must have cost a lot of money to run a place as large as this, darling. The real estate office probably couldn't find a buyer. Uh, you're probably right. I notice the other building doesn't seem to be so run down. No. It's in remarkably fine condition. It must have been built a lot later than the house. Seems to be made of stone. Gray stone. I wonder what it's used for. Don't know. Actually, I believe that someone lived in the old house not too long ago, and I think probably the second building was constructed during that time. Well, it's a crime to let a beautiful old place run down like this. Mm. Well, here we are. Bill? Yes, dear? It doesn't have any windows. Yes, I noticed that. Seems rather strange. Oh, well, maybe it was used for a storehouse. Oh, look at the door. What's the matter with it? I think the lock's broken. You're right. Why don't we take a look inside? All right. The lock's all rusted through. There. Yeah, that does it. And now to see what's inside. (laughs) Well, there might not be any windows, but there's a skylight that lets in the sun. Come on, let's go in. All right. Ooh, it's so, so cold in here. Uh, so I noticed. Helen... What's uh, that in the center of the floor? <laughs> That's just what I was going to say. This isn't a storehouse by any stretch of the imagination. It's a mausoleum. That thing in the center of the floor is a sarcophagus. Stone coffin. There's nothing else in here. Just that... That thing in the center. And yet I feel as if it's crowded. 
As if there are things here that we can't see. <laughs> That's nonsense, darling. Hey, look, notice how the sun falls across the head of the sarcophagus. Yes, I wonder if we have light enough to take a picture. Well, I doubt it, but you could try. Well, I might as well if it turns out that... Yeah. What are you two doing in here? We noticed the lock was broken, and so we came on in. You shouldn't have done that. Why not? We didn't do any harm. I'm sure of that, but he won't like it. Who won't like it? The thing that sleeps in that stone coffin. What are you talking about? Just what I said. You didn't notice the writing over the door when you came in, did you? What writing? You didn't notice it then. That's a shame. Because you didn't know what you was getting into. Getting into? Look, I'm sorry, but I just don't understand. We didn't hurt anything. We're not intending to steal anything. Well, that don't make no difference. He doesn't care what your reasons were. Who is he? They called him Mr. Thomas when he was living. They call him the death that walks now that he's dead. The death that walks? How did he come to get that name? Because people around here have seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. And they've seen him walking. That must be their imaginations. They hate their imaginations, I know. I've seen them myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you none. <laughs> I don't have to. You frighten you. Oh, Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. I uh, think we'd better go, Bill. You don't believe what I'm telling you. That's all right with me. I don't care what you believe, but you listen to what I'm saying now. If I was you, I'd get away from here as fast as I could. Not just from this place, but from the town, this part of the country. Why? You want me to tell you a little of the story? Yes. All right. Maybe you'll believe me then. Old Tannis came here from someplace in Europe. I say old, but he really wasn't old. Just seemed that way. He brought the house and grounds here and had them cleaned up. Till the place looked like it was brand new. And he started building this here building. There's something funny about Tana, something in his eyes that made you frightened of him. His eyes, they looked like the eyes of a, of a dead man. He didn't act like anyone I ever knew. He was always talking about death. Always telling me he could come back after death. I was the caretaker then, just like I am now. After this building was completed, I used to watch him at night when he'd come out here. It seemed like he was in some sort of a trance. He'd stay out here for hours. And when he'd come back to the house, his, his eyes would glisten and shine. So you couldn't hardly look at him. A week before he died, he told me that as long as I lived, I was to take care of this place. Because if I didn't, he, he'd come back and kill me. And then he died. Just like that. And he was put in here, in his coffin. And one night, about two months later, when the moon was full, I heard a noise. When I come out to look, I saw the door to this place opening. And him come out in the moonlight. And I could hear his footsteps. It sounded queer and hollow-like. And I turned around and I could see his face in the moonlight. Pale and pasty. Sick-looking. And those eyes of his seemed like two burning coals of fire. He seemed to be looking at me. And I heard him say, They have disturbed me, and the moon has awakened me. I shall follow them. That's what he said. And I heard it just as plain as you're hearing me. And then he vanished in the night. 
Towards morning, I heard his footsteps again. And I heard that big iron door closing. And I knew he was back. The next day in town, I heard that Alf Cummins had died the night before, screaming something about not meaning to go into the mausoleum. I knew who killed him. And that's all there is to the story? Oh, that's just part of it. It's happened again and again in the last ten years since he's been dead. Folks around here say he'll follow you wherever you go if you come inside here. Well, in that case, why haven't you been killed? Because he needs me. <laughs> he ain't going to kill me. But if I was you, I, I'd get out of this part of the country just as soon as I could. Let's go back to the hotel, Bill. Yeah, that's all right, dear. You going to get away from here? Yes, we'd better get going. Yeah, I wish I'd have been here when you come, but I was in town getting this lock. You can't go around leaving this door unlocked. Yeah, that ought to satisfy him. There's the inscription, Bill. Yeah, that's the writing I mean. Got a nice sentiment, ain't it? If you enter here... Into the realm of death, I shall follow you and bring him with me. March 3rd, later. I sit here and write these words. It's quite late and the moon has risen full in the sky. Helen is standing by the window looking out. For some reason, I am frightened. And yet I know that a few months from now I shall only laugh at the memory of my fright. However, in the morning, I do believe that we will leave this place. All through? Yes, for tonight at least. I think we'll be leaving tomorrow, Helen. Oh, I'm glad. I don't believe the caretaker story, and yet I'm afraid. Yeah. It's a beautiful night. Yes, isn't it? That moon's so big and full that it could... Bill. Yes, dear? Look down there at the street. There's a man down there. There's nothing to be... Bill! He's looking straight up at us. And pointing to us at... Look at his face, Bill. Look at his face! Bill. Pasty looking. And his eyes... Two burning coals of fire. As I read these pages, the words tear up at me, and their formations bring to life a nameless terror which I feel all around me. Outside, the storm still rages, yet the sound of it fades from my mind as the terror in the pages of the volume I hold before me becomes increasingly apparent. March 3rd. Still later. The man down in the street, whomever he was, left after about ten minutes. He has given us quite a fright. Where I felt any doubts as to whether or not we should leave this place, they've all been dispelled now. Helen has just gone to bed. I think I shall do the same. If we're going to leave in the morning, you'd better get to sleep, Bill. I want to get out of here as soon as I can. Yes, I was just coming to bed, Helen. That man we saw... Yes? It might be only coincidence. 
Do you really believe that, Helen, or are you trying to talk yourself into it? I guess I'm trying to rationalize it. I'm afraid I'm not doing a very good job of it. Uh, I don't know what to believe. It could be coincidence, but somehow I'm afraid it isn't. Then you think that... Maybe. No, don't worry about it, Helen. By tomorrow, we'll be several hundred miles from here. And I doubt if whomever it was will follow us. Don't listen. They sound just like the steps the caretaker described to us. Yes, but we saw him walk away. He didn't Billy's in the room upstairs. That's well, probably someone else. It's not. I know it's not. All right, all right. Just a minute. I'll call the desk. This is William Mason in 316. Can you tell me who has the room directly above mine? Clerk's going to check. Yes? Oh, I see. No, no, thank you very much. What did the clerk say? The room directly above ours is unoccupied. March 4th. We left the hotel a short time after we heard the steps. We went immediately to our car and drove all night and all day. And are stopping now in a motel almost a thousand miles away. It's reassuring to know that he could not possibly follow us. I am very tired. Go to bed and get an early start in the morning. Helen? You asleep? No. What are you thinking about? The words that were written above the mausoleum door. If you enter here into the realm of death, I shall follow you and bring him with me. Yes. Yes, I hear them too. He couldn't possibly have come this far, could he? I don't know. What's the matter? It's your face. Pressed against the window. It's not there now. It was there for just a few seconds. I saw it, Bill. The same man we saw last night outside the hotel. He was right outside the window. March 5th. This morning when I went in to pay the bill, the man who owns the motel said a strange, pasty-faced man had been in earlier and told him to tell me that he would follow me. March 11th. It's impossible to get any material together that'll help me in my work. Everywhere we go, he's there also. March 16th. Yeah, Mr. Mason, this guy said it was all right for you to go on ahead because he was going to follow you. March 22nd. No, he didn't leave a name. He just said that he'd be in touch with you. April 7th. Never saw anyone who looked like that before. See a friend of yours, Mr. Mason? April 18th. He said he'd follow you. April 29th. Told me to say he'd follow you. May 15th. Follow you. 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 I wish there was something I could do, Helen, but there's nothing. I've done my best, Rosen, but I can't. I want to go home, Bill. Oh, if we go home, it'll be the same thing. Maybe. Maybe it won't. I can't stand this anymore. All right, all right, darling. We'll leave for home right away. June 23rd. We arrived home this evening. I called Gary as soon as I could. He said he'd be out within the hour to see us. He wasn't able to help us in any way. I really didn't expect any help. I was hoping that he might be able to offer some concrete suggestion as to what to do. However, last night, 
was the first night in months that we haven't been aware of his presence. Maybe, maybe Helen is right. Perhaps he won't follow us here. July 3rd. We've not seen or heard anything unusual since we first came home. I feel as a man might feel who has been given a new lease on life. July 10th. Still nothing. That's the first portion of the Hall of Fantasy. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to the Hall of Fantasy. August 19th. For the past two months, a feeling of peace and security has enveloped the house. Helen and I have been able to go around with no sense of danger nor of dread. But last night, that feeling was shattered. Gary had come out for dinner. It was almost 10 o'clock. Well, it's about time for me to get along. Oh, it's only 10, Gary. Sure, you don't have to go so soon. I'm afraid I must, Helen. Tomorrow's a working day for me. I thought I might be able to get you into a game of chess. Oh, some other time, Bill. Well, next time, don't stay away so long. Don't worry. I think we ought to... Tommy, is someone upstairs? No. Listen. (gasps) He's back. Who's back? The man we told you about. Those are his footsteps. I'd know them anywhere. I should. I've heard them enough. What are you going to do? Look, will you come upstairs with me, Gary? Yes, of course. You stay here, Helen. Don't go up there, Bill. Don't let him, Gary. No, Helen. This time I'm going to meet him face to face. Then I'm going with you. No, you're not. You're going to stay right here. You ready, Gary? Yes. Okay, let's go. Be careful. As careful as we can. If he is up there, what are you going to do? I don't know. We'll find that out when the time comes. Our steps came from the guest room. I don't hear anything. Well, let's see if he's in there. Stand back, Gary. I'm going to open the door. Right. It's empty. There's no one in here. But I heard someone up here. Yes, he was here, but he's gone. I can feel it when he's near me. I know that... (laughs) Come on. Helen! Helen, where are you? Helen! There she is. In the front room. What's the matter, Helen? Helen? 
Answer me. She can't, Bill. She's sitting there with her eyes wide open. She's dead. August 23rd. We buried her today. As I sit here in the empty house writing this, I know that Thomas will come for me too. I am writing this in the hope that someone will find it, read it, and maybe understand my death. It's lonely here, yet suddenly I have the feeling that I'm not alone. Someone is here with me. He is here, in this room with me. I'm afraid to turn and meet him. To have those eyes of his burning into me. And yet, yet I must. I pray that someone reads this. Perhaps he will... He will... I have read the manuscript in full. The August 23rd entry was the last he ever made. The feeling of creeping horror that runs through the pages has imparted itself to me. And I sense that someone is here with me. Of course, I realize that it's only my imagination. But I can't shake that feeling... There is someone here. Who... Who are you? Who do you think I am? Characters and events portrayed on this program are fictional, and any resemblance to actual persons living or dead or to actual events is purely coincidental. Featured on this program were Carl Grayson as William Mason, Eloise Cummer as Helen Mason, Richard Thorne as Gary, and Sam Siegel as the caretaker. Original music moods were created and performed by Harold Turner. These programs are directed by Leroy Alliger, written and produced by Richard Thorne. Your announcer is George Bauer. This program came from Chicago. And that's the Hall of Fantasy from September 19, 1952, with the steps that follow me, starring Richard Thorne, as heard on Mutual. Before we tune into the Jack Benny program, I want to remind all of our listeners about the Classic Radio Club. Now, this is a club Lisa, Mike, and I came up with so all of our listeners could join the club and be part of the action of getting these shows that are in my library of over 100,000. Shows Now, I licensed all of these shows from the rights holders, and they gave me their master recordings. So we have the best quality shows of The Shadow and Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, all your favorite radio shows. And so we thought, 
how can we get these shows on CD in the hands of people who really want to enjoy them? So we created the Classic Radio Club. You can go to a website, ClassicRadioClub.com, learn all about it. But when you join, you'll get your first five CD, 10 Classic Radio Show collection, along with copious liner notes about the shows, for only $4.99. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, I know you're a member, Lisa. You get it sent to your house, and I know you like the surprise aspect of it, right? Right. It's so nice to get a present. It feels like a gift that gets delivered to your door once a month. A gift to yourself, right? A gift to me, or it can be a gift to someone else. Either way. But how nice is it to have something delivered to you? It's only once a month, so it's not overwhelming. You get these five CDs, ten classic radio shows every month, and it's a club. And if you like to continue doing that every month, terrific. And if at some point you choose to cancel, that's no problem, too. So we make it really easy for you either way. Yeah, and uh, I'm writing these copious liner notes as well. And I know, Mike, you get the packages too. What do you think? I totally dig them. It's good to get away from the TV and just be able to sit back and listen to classic radio. You know, back in the night, what you just said is so true. Back in the 1940s you know, and 50s, people gathered around the radio and they listened to these radio shows together. Here is an opportunity to get a five-CD collection sent to you every single month. I am hand-selecting 10 shows every single month from the 100,000 shows I have. And I'm making sure that not only are they the best quality, but they're the most important, most interesting, biggest stars, best stories. So I'm doing this as uh, as the curator of the club. I'm sending you these. Every single month you get 10 new shows, and you will never, ever, ever get a duplicate show. So as long as you're a member, you'll never get a duplicate show. So check it out. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com, ClassicRadioClub.com. There's also a toll-free number, right, Lisa? Yes, 888-642-6556. I'll give it to you one more time, 888-642-6556. All right, join the club, and uh, we'd love to have you. All right, it's time now for the Jack Benny program. On this show, Peter Laurie is the guest star. Let's go back to March 24th, 1946, part one of the Jack Benny program. The Jack Benny program. The program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to last night and out to Jack Benny's house where the whole gang has gathered for rehearsal. Rochester, has everybody arrived for rehearsal? Yes, sir. They're all in the library. Good. Well, I'm ready. Yes, sir. Mr. Jack Benny, everybody rise. (laughs) The first rehearsal is now in session. Good evening, Miss Livingston. Uh, good evening, Mr. Benny. Good evening, Mr. Wilson. Good evening, Mr. Benny. Uh, good evening, Mr. Harris. Good evening, Mr. Benny. Gee, what's happened since I went away? <laughs> Another outburst like that, and I'll have the room cleared. <laughs> now, raise your right hands and repeat after me. Mr. Harris, it's your other hand. <laughs> now, repeat after me. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear that I will not divulge or repeat. That I will not divulge or repeat any routines, ideas, or jokes herein contained. Any routines, ideas, or jokes herein contained. 
And if I do, may I be farmed out till life can be beautiful. <laughs> and if I do, may I be farmed out till life can be beautiful. You may all be seated. <laughs> Uh, rehearsal is now in session. And now to facilitate the reading of the script, will everybody please remove their paper clips? Good. Rochester, collect them, count them, and straighten the bent ones. Yes, sir. We will now commence the rehearsal with the opening introduction by Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson, if you please. Thank you. I beg your pardon, Mr. Benny. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Wilson. What is it, Mr. Harris? Well, I'd like to propose an amendment to joke four on page six. Why? Because it stinks. <laughs> I see. Mr. Harris has expressed an opinion that joke four on page six has an aromatic quality which is not pleasant. <laughs> We will take a vote. Miss Livingston? I agree. Mr. Wilson? I agree. Mr. Day? I can't tell. I have a cold. <laughs> Motion passed. And now we will proceed... Oh, with... Jack, for heaven's sake, this is silly. What? Why do we have to go through this every time we have a rehearsal? Why can't we rehearse like we used because to? Because everybody took advantage of it. You come in late, you wouldn't pay attention, you sat around reading newspapers instead of scripts. That's why. But, Jack, you can't rehearse this way. You've got to loosen up. After all, this is a comedy program. Ooh, what she said. <laughs> Dennis. Well, Libby's right, Jackson. We can't be funny when we're so formal and stiff. Phil, you're the only one that comes in stiff. <laughs> That's why we're rehearsing this way. Remember, I'm the star. I'm the star. I'm the star. <laughs> Quiet, Polly Quiet, Polly Quiet, Polly Polly, if you don't keep quiet I'm going to You know what Oh, Jack, not again What does he do, Libby? Every time the Polly talks back to him He takes her out of the cage Opens the front door And hands her a road map to Capistrano <laughs> Mary That's the only parrot registered With the automobile club Never mind, let's get started with the rehearsal there's no... There's, uh, now, here's the way the show will run. We'll do our usual opening spot, a band number, and then Dennis's songs... Sandwiches, hard-boiled eggs, and Coca-Cola. Get your sandwiches, hard-boiled eggs, and Coca-Cola here. Oh, yes. I'll have a roast beef. Here you are. Thank you. <laughs> and now we'll... Hard-boiled eggs, cooked fresh this morning, roast beef sandwiches. I'll have a hard-boiled egg. Here you are. Thank you. And now we'll... Uh... Uh, may I have a paper napkin, please? Yes, ma'am. Here you are. Thank you. <laughs> and now we'll... Uh... Will you have a sandwich, Mr. Day? Yes, please. Here you are. Hmm. <laughs> I'll have to re-educate this kid. He got his food free in the Navy. <laughs> And now we'll go... Let's go for sandwiches, hard-boiled eggs, and Coca-Cola. Eggs and Coca-Cola! Eggs and Coca-Cola! All right, kids, we'll start the rehearsal with the introduction. No, no, we better... Oh, Jack, let's start somewhere so we can get through. We're all going to the movies. Yeah, Jackson, we're going down to see that new picture, The Road to Utopia. Oh, yeah. Say, maybe I'll go with you. I'd like to see what Crosby looks like with his collar open. <laughs> anyway, kids, we can't go to laughter uh, rehearsal. I don't know what you want to go to the movies for anyway. 
There hasn't been a good picture since the horn blows at midnight. <laughs> Quiet, Polly. You didn't even see it. Maybe Walter Pigeon told her. Yeah, yeah, Walter Pigeon. He flies by here every day. Now, listen, kid, let's get one thing straight. My rehearsals are more important than going to the movies. I'm sick of the movies anyway. Oh, Jack, you always hate the movies this time of the year because you never win the Academy Award. Mary, that has nothing to do with it. Comedy pictures get very little consideration. I found out one thing. To win an Academy Award, you got to do a picture with absolutely no laughs. Well, your darn one last near made it. <laughs> I don't mind when you ball up a lousy gag, but that was such a good one. Anyway, my next picture will... Sandwiches, hard-boiled eggs, and Alabama pennants. Alabama pennants? Yeah, we have left over from the Rose Bowl game. Rochester, save those. Alabama may be out here again. Okay. Boy, did I take a beating on those. Tried everything. I even had Rochester sitting on a bale of cotton. Now, kids, let's rehearse the scene right after... Oh, Jack, why can't we rehearse tomorrow morning? It's getting late. We want to go to the movie. Well, all right. I'm going up to bed. So long, kids. I'll see you in the morning. So long, Jack. Jack. So long. Here you are, boss. I got your bed turned down. Thanks. Uh, Rochester, please untie my shoes, will you? Your shoes? Yes. I do it myself, but Benny's back and Lumbago's got him. <laughs> hey, did you hear that? Benny's back and Lumbago's got him. Hey, Roger, do you think I should use that joke on my program tomorrow? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's all I need you for, Rochester. Good night. Good night, boy. Hmm, look what time it is. 8.30. That's funny, I'm not even sleepy. I think I'll sit up for a while and read a book. Let's see. Here's one. Clara Klingenfield, Girl Bricklayer. <laughs> oh, I read that. Here's another one. I Married a Smudge Pot. <laughs> Gee, that was a hot one. I remember that one. Here's another one. Your darn one last near made it. I read that just a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> I wonder if... Say, wait a minute. Here's a book I haven't read. I Stand Condemned by Maximilian Q. Langley. Hmm, I Stand Condemned. Gee, that's an exciting title. I think I'll read this book. Chapter One. I Stand Condemned. I'm what you call an average citizen. I come from a little town in the Midwest. Yes, I'm married. I have a lovely wife. We have three fine boys and a dog. George, Frank, Harry, and Rover. <laughs> Harry is the dog. 
lives of most men followed a course pointed out by the fickle finger of fate. Hmm, fickle finger of fate. Gee, this guy's a classy writer. Most stories start at the beginning, but my story begins at the end. I am occupying a cell in the death row at the state penitentiary. I'm innocent. I'm innocent, I tell you. Let me out of here. Oh, Warden. Warden. Yeah. <laughs> Warden, you've got to let me out of here. I'm innocent. Do you hear innocent? In a few minutes, they're going to execute me. What time do I go to the chair? 5.30. Good. Then I won't have to listen to Fred Allen. <laughs> oh, what am I saying? Warden, I tell you, it wasn't my fault. I don't want to go to the electric chair. Now, now, calm down. Our barber's a little rushed today, so I'll shave your head myself. But Warden... Uh, sit still. I'll start with the scissors. Take it easy around the sideburns, please. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Manicure? No, no, thank you. <laughs> It's, uh, on the house, you know. Oh, oh, manicure, please. Wait a minute. Let me out of here. I don't want to go to the electric chair. I won't in this room. I can't walk that last mile. Oh, you won't have to. We'll bring the electric chair in here. <laughs> what? We have a long cord, you know. <laughs> Warden, if you'll only listen to my story, I know you'll believe me. Oh, very well. What is your story? Well, Warden, it goes back a long, long time. I would have led a normal life, except for the fickle finger of fate. The warden listened to my story. I told him how I met the man who was responsible for my undoing. I was walking down the street. I had just left my office and was going home to my three wonderful children, Manny, Moe, and Jack. <laughs> We had Manny and Jack and felt that we should have one more. <laughs> anyway, I was walking along when suddenly a figure stepped out of the shadows. He was a small man with a round face. He reminded me somewhat of Peter Lorre. And when he spoke, his voice too reminded me of Peter Lorre. He tapped me on the shoulder and said... Pardon me, sir, but uh, may I trouble you for a match? And that's the first portion of the Jack Benny program from March 24th, 1946. Special guest Peter Lorre. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality 
and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Jack Benny program with special guest Peter Lorre. Then Boris Karloff stars in one of the most famous lights-out stories of all time, Cat Wife. You won't want to miss it. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.